I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of Arkansas Fight, we give you the good news first. We ask what the hell is happening to our football program. And Tucker comes around and reevaluates his chicken rankings. All that and more on this episode of Woo Pod Sui. Welcome to Woo Pod Sui, the official podcast of Arkansas Fight. I'm Tucker Partridge with my co-host Saul Malone. Say hello, Saul. How we doing, folks? Glad to be here. We are here to break down all the latest and greatest news in Arkansas sports. Let's get started with the latest and greatest Arkansas team. I'm, of course, referring to the now number six in the country, Arkansas football team. Lady Razorbacks. high-flying soccer team. Love to see it. Lady Razorbacks currently number six in the nation. Top ten, coming off a incredible win. An incredible win over one Mississippi State. That score was six to one. That's a football score. Which is incredible. Yeah. That... You love to see it. The six goals are the most against any conference foe since 2008, and they're the most that the Bulldogs have allowed since 2013. So, good stuff. That takes us to 11-2-1 on the season and 5-1-0 in conference play, with that one loss being to a very ranked South Carolina team. We, uh, we ran the numbers, and that's good. It's a good record. Yeah, I, I, we had our stats guy run that, and I, contrary to popular opinion, pretty good. Pretty dadgum pretty good. Pretty good. That would go on to earn Anna Potagil, who got a hat trick in that game. That would be three goals for you non-footballers. Um, three goals in that game, so literally half of the goals we scored in that Incredible game. production. She, yeah, that's, I mean, you... You love to see it. And she was named SEC Offensive Player of the Week. So good for her. Good for the team. How about them hogs? Saul? You know, it's good to feel confident in some areas of our athletic program. You know, it's <laughs> nice to have wins on the board. It's nice to see a number by your name. A and just a uh, beacon of happiness. And just, man, shout out to the Lady Razorbacks for bringing home the bacon for our sports program right now yeah they will head to college station to take on number 17 texas a&m that will be on friday october 18th the kickoff will obviously happen at 7 30 p.m central central i believe they stream those on the sec network so do yourselves a favor and watch these ladies play because they're really dang good It'll put a little pep in your step and get you psyched. Um, and, you know, get your spirits up before uh, we play Auburn on Saturday, you know. It'll, it'll feel good to go in with having seen somebody with Razorbacks on their chest win. And in other happy Razorback news, we got ourselves a real good commitment in basketball. Eric Musselman has got that program already seemingly rolling. Um, we have a four-star guard, Devonte Davis, who had previously committed to Oklahoma State, flipped and committed to his home state, Arkansas Razorbacks. That's right, baby. Welcome home. Yes, welcome home, Devonte. He is the only, and by that logic, first commitment 
of Musselman's tenure in his first class as head hog. Uh, but there are some really good prospects in the state. And part of me is getting a little excited thinking about the concept of four, yes, four ESPN top 100 recruits are in the state right now. Uh, and that always bodes well for Arkansas. If we can get some homegrown talent on the court in Bud Walton, not something to be overlooked. Uh, you know, it's starting to get starting to get close to basketball season starting up. Um, you know, Chris Chris Bayer, Bud Walton's starting to starting to get ready for the for the season, and I I'm excited. Yeah, like I think we talked to it briefly last podcast, but I think Musselman is putting us in a place to to succeed and bringing a lot of good energy. Uh, that I think might have been lacking uh, recently. So super, super excited to see how this season comes out. Super excited to see him continue to dial it up on the recruiting trail and see what kind of class we end up with. As a casual observer, I think it's fun to... I'm not a casual observer, but to a casual observer, I guess. Good save. Uh, I would never casually observe anything Arkansas-related. I am absolutely aggressively a fan of this program. (laughs) Uh, um, I think it's really it's really fun to see someone who gets Arkansas basketball or seemingly you know understands kind of where this program's history has like has been where we feel like we should be going it just it's really fun to kind of feel like you've got that passion it is very early early days obviously but I'm excited to feel like Musselman gets it it's a good feeling. It's a really good feeling. Uh, Arkansas, of course, you know, in recent years has not been where we want basketball to be, but it always feels like we should be or we have the potential to be. Um, so, yeah, excited to see what comes of this, recruit, this recruiting class uh, and our overall team going into the 2019-2020 season. So, if yeah, if I know we're getting, you know, we're still in the thick of football and and we're talking about that a lot. But if you have, we want to hear your basketball thoughts. Uh, so, you know, get us on, on Twitter at Arkansas Fight and s- tell us what you're thinking basketball wise. What do you think of Musselman so far? What are you looking forward to? What do you think, you know, maybe some of our weaknesses might be? But we, we you know, basketball season is pretty much here and we want to know how you guys are feeling about Hawk basketball and getting back to the basketball palace of the Midwest. Other exciting news. I spoke with some folks with the baseball program and it is apparent now that we have six of the top 100 recruits committed to us in the 2020 baseball class so that's six percent of the entire class and they're all just just ran those just ran those real quick how did you run those numbers that quickly uh, you know um, i'm our our staff guy that we our stat guy that we mentioned earlier big math big math um huge math guy yeah love to love to see that folks shout out my math majors but uh so 2020 could be a very interesting year for arkansas as a whole athletically because that is the potential of Obviously, in baseball, the precedent has been set for a top 25 class, top 10 class. Uh, But with basketball, if we sign a couple of those guys out of Arkansas, that could be really fun. A lot of of potential to have another fun fun baseball season, Uh, hopefully without the heartbreak of the last two. Speaking of heartbreak... I think we've put it off long enough. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping we would we could somehow stretch it out a little longer, talk about some more things, but we've kind of covered all our bases. We're gonna have to talk about the football team, folks. We got to talk about the football team. We are gonna recap the Kentucky game. We'll take a short break after that, and then kind of come back and discuss some more nebulous questions around the program. So, Saul, let's talk about the just the plain numbers of the Kentucky football game. Who oh boy. Let's get some numbers going. Um, some of them aren't very pretty. Just off the top, you guys know, you guys watch the game. I don't have to tell you that it wasn't the best-looking game for us uh, in certain facets of our offense. But let's get to it. Uh, Nick Starkle, lady, uh, 
sorry, before he was before he exited the game, Nick Starkle was seven for nineteen, forty one yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Ben Hicks in relief came on, going five for eight for eighty one yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, as you recall on this podcast last week, we said that this should be a good game for off our offense's ground game to get going, and they certainly did. Uh, Rakeem Boyd had 15 carries for 134 yards and two touchdowns, including that monster 74-yard rip of a run for a touchdown. Uh, Dev Waweli adding nine carries for 42 yards. Arkansas gained 305 total yards. This was a game that was competed and, and fought on the ground. Arkansas had 122 yards of the air. Kentucky had 88. Now, normally, if you only give up 88 yards passing, something to pat on yourself on the back for. That said, can't really do it here as Kentucky was starting a wide receiver at quarterback. And he did just enough of the air to beat us. Uh, that would be one Lynn Bowden Jr., who also uh, should be noted, carried 24 times for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Their running back, A.J. Rose, added 16 carries for 90 yards. And their other running back, Cavosier Smoke, 11 carries for 45 yards, all of them finding success on the ground. Like I said, this was a game that was mostly fought in the trenches up front, a lot of running, uh, not a lot of passing, you know, and an area that Arkansas seemingly had an advantage and should have been able to capitalize on, but they were unable to do so. Uh, Defense was unable to contain Kentucky's running attack, giving up 418 total yards 330 yards of that coming on the ground really really frustrating really really frustrating incredible incredibly frustrating loss a game that we should have won at some point we're up 13-0 you know not a huge lead but a lead that's definitely you should be able to maintain and to keep and the uh, kind of lead that we felt like we could hold against a wide receiver playing quarterback Absolutely. Uh, a guy playing his, I don't even know if it's his secondary position, just a position that he has, you know, has clearly been familiar with if, if, if he's getting reps and snaps back there. But he's not a quarterback. He's a wide receiver who's a good athlete that they're placing in the quarterback position, basically running wildcat plays and having him be a, a running back uh, ahead of ahead of time. You know, so it's, it's yeah, it's frustrating. Um, a, a game that we certainly... You know, if you can't take advantage of that, what else do you have to look forward to in the season? A couple of moments that stand out here. The first being the decision not to kind of try some kind of aggressive response after Kentucky scored at the end of the first half. Decision to kind of let the clock run out, even though we had all of our timeouts and they had all of theirs. A little frustrating. I think overall on Twitter, the consensus, which is a terrible sentence that I shouldn't have said, but the consensus on Twitter was that that was the wrong decision. It was a decision that I disagreed with, and it was frustrating. You pride yourself on being an offensive coach with offensive talent, and quite frankly, it looked like we were moving the ball pretty well in that first half. And to just not even try um, yeah. to go for anything was really frustrating to watch. Very timid play calling, very conservative. And, yeah, just to see on TV play after after uh, you've seen us move the ball in a, in a way where we know we can get the ball down the field to just the way we kind of approach that drive and the drives after they scored, really, really frustrating. And, you know, we'll get into that later of, like, what is this coaching staff doing and what are they thinking to – to put their, our kids in positions to win and, and just things like that aren't, aren't going to put you, aren't going to do you any favors uh, with the fans or with putting yourself in a position to win. Another moment, uh, or not so much a moment, but something that happened over the course of the game, I suppose, was after the A&M game, with Starkle hurt, we said there was not a quarterback controversy. <laughs> well... There may be one now, and yeah. I gross. Yeah, it does not feel good to be halfway through a season with a quarterback controversy on our hands. 
It felt like to me, I'm not sure whether or not you'll feel this way, but it felt like to me that Starkle looked like he was still a little off, still a little hurt from the A&M game. He came out and something just kind of looked wrong from the get-go. And yeah. it... I don't I don't know. It 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 didn't look pretty for most of the game and obviously that resulted in him getting pulled but he missed some guys really high throwing the ball. He missed some guys just on bad routes. It was not fun to watch. You know, it wasn't fun to watch somebody struggle like that. And then I felt like Ben Hicks came in and filled in admirably, but at that point Uncle Mo had turned around and it felt too little too late. Uh, how do you feel yeah. about the quarterback situation? Yeah, you know, I Starkle did look off. I felt like he wasn't maybe, you know, even after a bye week, I thought maybe he'd be good to go, but maybe it was too long of a, a wait. Maybe he needed to get back into action sooner, but it doesn't really make sense. I'm just trying to figure out why he looked so off. But yeah, he looked he looked off, missing, missing throws, missing guys that were open, and once again, just quarterback play has continued to hurt this team, uh, which is frustrating to be, what are we, six weeks into the season now uh, and still kind of waiting for someone to emerge. And having guy, having those two guys play well in moments but not play well throughout games and just having to, you know, fluctuate, go back-to-back, back. maybe it's Starkle, maybe it's X. And I, th- I think I talked about this towards the beginning of the season, but just – if just not having sort of consistency at that position is going to cause problems throughout a season. If you can't find a guy and just stick with him, and I'm not blaming Starkle for being hurt. You can't help that. You get hurt playing football. But if you can't have a guy that is just ready to go and is your guy and you don't take him out unless he like can't play due to injury or otherwise, then you're just going to have two okay performances at best, and you're going to be stuck in, well, Starkle played great last game, but then Hicks had to come in, and he also played good, but he played good for a quarter, but also he couldn't make the throws whether we needed him to make the throws. and It's just a vicious cycle of waiting for someone to emerge and and just feeling like maybe no one is or we're not giving the guys the chance to. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to see who we pick moving forward, especially with this murderer's row over the next three to four games that we have that's just going to be absolutely brutal. Uh, I think we need to pick someone and let them get some, some like, hey, yeah, screw it, let them get some reps against good SEC teams so maybe they can prove themselves. There is sort of a little movement starting on Twitter that I think is interesting but misguided, and that is the start KJ Jefferson movement. I get it because we are in, obviously, a sort of situation where neither quarterback has jumped up and seized control of the team. We're in a league where true freshman quarterbacks have come in and had success. But I'm not sure that I think throwing him to the Wolves, especially with Auburn, Alabama, LSU still on the schedule, is a good idea. We play four top 25 teams through the rest of the season and that is just not the recipe that I want to be throwing in a young quarterback into I get it but I am not on the team start KJ yet simply because I would like for him to be able to be the quarterback for several years (laughs) and if he gets killed in the next two or three weeks I don't think that is in anyone's best interest. Yeah, and I I think it's easy to like get excited about a guy who you haven't seen play because he's hasn't played bad. <laughs> you haven't seen him play poorly, so he could be incredible and awesome and it's always easy to like get yourself hyped up on a hypothetical quarterback play. Well, you know? that's the old and, football cliche, the most popular player on the team is the backup quarterback. Yeah, but in our case, that's not true because our <laughs> backup quarter is either Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle, and oftentimes they come in and, and you know frustrate fans more than anything. So for Arkansas, the most popular guy on the team is the third-string quarterback who is you know coming in and has <laughs> potential to be good. And like I get, I get wanting to see literally anyone else at this point after watching 
these six games and just, I mean, man, 122 yards passing between two guys, at 61 yards average per person in a four-quarter football game, that's tough against a, against a, you know, not a bad Kentucky team, but against a Kentucky team that was definitely you know, beatable, was definitely beat up and was playing, again, a wide receiver at, at quarterback. Like, you should be able to take advantage of the fact that we have two guys that have played quarterback their whole lives, and that's the position they play, and we should have been able to air it out a little bit more and not have to ask Raheem Boyd to run for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> you know, we should be able to do that sort of things, and maybe, you know, KJ can do that. But, again, I don't want to make him try if he's going to get broken in half and not be able to continue to play well the rest of you know his career at Arkansas. I want him to be able to enjoy playing football at the University of Arkansas because he's in one piece and healthy. Real scorcher there. A broken-in-a-half quarterback is not what you want to see. By the way, I do want to compliment Lynn Bowden Jr. is an incredible athlete. Like, watching Insane. that game, it, he was incredible. Like, I, it, I don't want to sell him short saying, oh, he's a wide receiver player and he's a quarterback, because he did play quarterback in high school. But, wow, to just kind of answer the call that way in a really tough situation and get the win, I my issues are with the Arkansas side, not with Kentucky. That He got up on a big stage, ran for 200 yards, and – Put the team on his back, so kudos to him. Worth noting that the depth chart ahead of the Auburn game for us has Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle listed. Great. <laughs> so our question Perfect. will not be answered, as it seems the coaching staff is also also asking, will it be Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle? I guess, you know, uh, this week at practice we'll kind of decide who they go with, and I just... You know, I'm not at a loss for words, but just we are going into the meat of SEC play now. This is the time for figuring things out kind of is over, you know. Uh, we've got three top ten opponents coming up, I believe. Yes. Uh, three top ten opponents. I don't – I'm not I'm not fathoming, you know, one of us, uh, us pulling out an upset against any of them. I would like that. I really would. I think it'd be really cool, and I would enjoy it. And I would obviously, I'm rooting for the Hawks. Do not get that confused. I will pull for the Hawks with everything I have in me. But to still at this point, and granted, I will say that the Starkle injury threw a little bit of a monkey wrench in there. But we've had the bye. He should be better. This is not the time to be having a quarterback puzzle that you're trying to piece together. So. Worth noting, by the way, that two of those uh, SEC foes we have coming up are in the top two. Mm, That's right. Uh, That's right with the new rankings that just came out. So we have Alabama, which is a nice night kickoff, which uh, will be great for us. Easy dub, a night game. Uh, I believe that's in Tuscaloosa. Oh, we laugh because I don't want to cry in front of the listeners. So we, so here's here's we're coming up. We got Auburn this weekend. We got Alabama night game in Tuscaloosa, and then we have Mississippi State, who, you know, has looked beatable. But again, that doesn't really mean anything to Arkansas at the moment. Then we have returned Western Kentucky favorite son Ty Story, who looked really good. This will be the game that Ar- that Arkansas uh, makes Ty Story look like Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, <laughs> they he will beat put up Army and a not bad Army team behind him this weekend. By the way, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ty Story will put up numbers against us. I w- I'm going to put that on paper. I am not even sure you have to put that on paper. That just seems written in the stars. Yeah. So Arkansas has a habit of making quarterbacks that aren't necessarily the greatest look incredible uh so yeah um that's 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 kentucky that's the kentucky game uh we've we've got a good a good segment that we're adding here uh, and it's called how heartbreaking was this loss now we have a scale here and i would say one losing to alabama in tuscaloosa 
on a Saturday night. That's the bottom of the scale. It's not heartbreaking. It's expected. Maybe at the top of the scale. So you have Alabama in Tuscaloosa at night to Louisiana Monroe in Little Rock. Not a good feeling. Not a good feeling. Not a great Not a great feeling. It's just, I just think of the people sitting there in their ponchos in the rain, just getting rained on, not moving, because they're still in shock by what happened. So, on a scale of Alabama and Tuscaloosa to Louisiana, Monroe, and Little Rock, I'm more towards, uh, like, right in the middle. You know, like, it's disappointing that we had a lead and we couldn't hold it against a team playing a quarterback uh, that normally doesn't play quarterback. Uh, I would say more frustrating than heartbreaking. I wasn't heartbroken. I was just, once again, disappointed and left kind of asking questions of what are we to do with this coaching staff. I feel the same way. I don't know that I would call this one heartbreaking so much as I would call it just a little bit of a gut punch in the sense that my expectations are now absolutely completely dashed. Uh, Taking the lead in the fourth quarter only to lose it and then fail to put together any kind of drive after that. Just, uh, I don't want to say I expected it, but I, you could see it coming as soon as Kentucky got off to pretty quick scores in the third quarter. It just is very frustrating. I think this one is much more frustrating than it is heartbreaking. Agreed. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to break down just what the hell we and all Arkansas fans are to do with this team and this coaching staff moving forward. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today is not going to be fun <laughs> in the second half of this podcast, but stick with us because maybe we'll offer you something you haven't heard yet. And also, I just want to say, we don't enjoy and we don't aim to be a doom and gloom podcast <laughs> about the Hogs. I would enjoy be... being happy. I would I would personally love to talk about a Hogs win uh, on the football field. That's why we let off uh, with you know, ladies soccer and the basketball recruiting. There are things happening in Arkansas athletics that are good and fun and bring me a good amount of joy. But I just we have to be realistic. Hog football is the biggest sport that Arkansas has. It brings the most money in. It draws the most people. And it is the most talked about subject when it comes to Arkansas athletics. We don't have a, you know, obviously this is preaching the choir, but we don't have a professional team here. We've got the Hogs, and we kind of live and die by them. So, again, it's not that we want to be Debbie Downers here, but we just have to be realistic about how the Hogs are doing and what the state of the program is for both the players and the coaches, and that includes analyzing just what the hell is going on and why we can't seem to get a dadgum win against teams that we should be winning against. A couple of things have happened recently that I am worried are going to start snowballing. Uh, We've had two players thus far leave the program. One linebacker, Devon McClure, announced that he is stepping away from football. And then uh, one of our true freshman recruits, who is a DB, Devin Bush, announced today that he will be seeking a transfer. This goes along with a couple of recruits that we had committed this season for next year. Uh, 
two recruits have decommitted from us in the wake of what's going on in the football <laughs> program. And this is where I start to worry. I think I'm someone who's willing to buy in on a future project, especially in the wake of a really good recruiting class heading into this season and seeing those players be really good. I mean, my goodness, Traylon Burks was amazing in the Kentucky game. And Trey Knox looks has very looked good. great this year. And Mike Woods is one of their recruits, and he's looked fantastic. And you've seen these bright beacons of sort of hope kind of shine through saying, well, these guys can evaluate talent. They can get guys here who are talented and ready to play. Well, you start losing those guys, and it becomes a worry that, you know, what are you going to do? Because yeah. it's very clear to me that coaching is not what you're going to do. I usually am someone who thinks that recruiting is the end-all, be-all tell of whether or not you're going to do well in college football. But there is a certain amount of schematic that comes into it. And I don't know about you, but after that game, I feel like our coaches are just completely in over their heads. Yeah, and when it comes to recruiting, at a, at a certain point, you can – the the product you're putting on the field isn't lining up with the pitch you're given. And I, I agree that I think, you know, this is Chad's second recruiting class. You know, I, he's got potential to get some more guys in, but if your product on the field is so bad, it doesn't matter how personable or how good at recruiting you are. That's hard. That's hard to, to, to rectify when, you know, you're promising these kids an opportunity to come play an opportunity to get into a program that's rebuilding and that's fine. But if you're consistently losing on a national stage like Arkansas seemingly is, it's going to take its toll, and then you're not going to be able to get those guys. And if that's your one thing that you know that you kind of bank and pride yourself on, and you lose that, well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So, I mean, yeah, recruiting is fine, and I think you know losing those two guys hurts, and it's always you know, especially when. Other recruits see that. Other recruits that maybe we're considering Arkansas see that, oh, these guys that were going to go, they aren't going to go anymore. And that just kind of starts a little bit of an avalanche of, you know, decommits and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with that from here. I think, I think Chad's still, you know, a good recruiter, but at some point. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. The other shoe will drop here. And I don't, I just don't know what to do with this entire staff because you're right they've looked they just look they don't they can't close a game to save their life and I will say this um for our kids like the guys on the field never I've never seen them quit no not and at I, all I, I respect the hell out of our team for never ever giving up uh on the staff and on in the games I think they go and compete and they figure out ways to stay in it when they need to but I don't know what to do with a coaching staff that is not putting our team and our guys in positions to win and it's actively taking away their opportunities to do so. Saw a stat today that made me feel a little sick to my stomach. Would you like to hear it? Uh, I would not, but I know you're going to say it anyway, so <laughs> gave it to me. Seven weeks into the season, we have not played a team with a current winning record. We that. are two and four. I that wasn't the stat that I thought you were going to give me, but that is a real bummer um, because now we are playing teams with big winning records. Um, and again, this this these next we can just get it out of the way. And these next three games, with the next two in particular, are not going to be fun to watch. They're not going to be enjoyable. I am going to watch them because uh, I am not a huge fan of myself personally and love to suffer. Uh, but I'm <laughs> gonna wa- I'm gonna watch those games, and they're not gonna be fun. And like, yeah, maybe we'll pull an a miracle out of our ass, and I will be as happy as the next hog fan. But to see us play the way we played against our first six opponents, and to go into this just wood chipper 
of a schedule that we have. I just, it's going to be bad and it's going to be brutal. And I don't know what to say to our coaching staff to get them to get it. I don't know what, what needs to be done. There have been some interesting points made over the past, you know, day or so in reaction to the game. And I think that we at Arkansas fight try to be kind of more measured and not as reactionary um, just because you can get that elsewhere. But at a certain point, we're fans of the team and it's hard for us to uh, it. I'm not sure that Chad made the right decision to retain the staff after last year. I, I get it, but I'm not sure that it was the right decision because in the wake of this year, it seems that we need some changes to happen at coordinator. And at this point, I'm not sure how much help you can get. In his most recent article, Adam Ford kind of made a great point saying that what recruiter or what coordinator is going to want to hitch their wagon to someone who may end up on the hottest seat in all of college football at the end of this year, assuming that he sticks around, you know, like who and that's a, that's is, a big assumption. If we fire Joe Craddock at offensive coordinator or John Chavis at defensive coordinator, who is going to look at that job, that opening and say, yeah, I think I'm going to go here where the head coach may not even be here after this year. I, yeah. it, nobody would say that. And so now it's almost like you have to stick with the guys you got. You've made your bed and now you have to sleep in it. Yeah. And I, I agree too. It's so like, I, I think, yeah, this is Chad's seat is potentially the hottest in the country right now. Uh, I, you know, we, I'm all for patience with the program, but if, I have just seen no truly marked improvement from this from last season to this one. It same kind of product on the field. Uh, Raheem Boyd is a monster. He deserves better. Uh, you know, I think Devlaw Whaley has put in his time on this team too, and I want wins for him. And a all lot the players of, deserve know, better. All the fans I, deserve better. I, you know, I think too is. Chad Morris came in hot with promises of I'm getting the best of the best and we're going to put together a staff that's going to deliver wins and give you a team you can be proud of. And I will say I am proud of our team in the sense that I like watching our guys compete and I like the hustle and the heart that they have. But I am not super excited when people ask me, hey, who's who do you pull for in college football? Oh, that me? That's the two and four Arkansas Razorbacks, the team that just went, you know, Two and nine last year, so or two and ten. ten. Two and two and ten. I gave us an I gave us an extra bye week. <laughs> we <laughs> might should have had that. We might should have had it. You know, so I don't. I'm a I'm an Arkansas alumni and a our alumnus. I'm an Arkansas alumnus and an Arkansas Razorback fan through and through. But man, this team is tough to watch, and I I'm putting it on the coaching staff. I I it they are not doing themselves any favors, and they're not helping our guys win in a way that a good coaching staff that is cohesive and unified and knows what they're doing should do. I think there are a couple of moments in the game. I alluded to this earlier that kind of point out some issues with coaching. Number one, I'm not sure that this coaching staff knows how to evaluate a quarterback. The fact that Starkle came in into the third I was almost certain that at halftime we'd see Hicks because something was off with Starkle. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be one who talks crap about players because they're kids doing this for free. I just could tell that something was off with him. And for me to be able to sit at home and realize that, and for Jordan Rogers on the SEC network to be pointing out, hey, there's something wrong with his footwork here. How are you as a coach getting paid millions of dollars to do this, not able to recognize that? And we've seen it time and time again. We've seen it starting this year with Hicks, and then he didn't look so hot. Well, Starkle comes in and looks great. Then now we may be going back to Hicks. Last year we had the carousel between 
Ty Story, Cole Kelly, and they don't seem to get the quarterback right ever. And the quarterback who doesn't get their focus always seems to be the better one. And I think at the end of the day, that's an indictment of your coaching. It is absolutely an indictment of your coaching. It's part of your job. And again, putting the team in a place to win is putting the best quarterback on the field. And if you can't differentiate which of your quarterbacks is the best, you're going to keep doing what we're doing what we do and just being like, well, maybe this guy, the, the hot hand approach. I, you can't see me, but I did quotes there because in a game when you have 122 yards passing between two people, I don't think anyone's hand was hot by any definition. You know, maybe Ben Hicks played better overall, but it wasn't good. So, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's that hot of a take to say that, like, what are we doing with our talent evaluation when it comes to breaking down the quarterback position, which is a v- clearly vital to the success of a team. Then there was another moment that was plain to see that is really frustrating, and it's not so much a moment so much as it was the whole game. Make him throw. Make Lynn yeah. Bowden throw. We did not do that. And as a consequence, I mean, how many third and longs did he convert with his legs? I, I'm i sorry, but talented as he might be, I'm letting him throw all day. Because yeah. if a wide receiver is beating you in the pass, then there are way more problems. And who knows, at that point, maybe that would be a problem of ours. But let that develop into a problem because obviously covering the pass to let him run is not working. And quite frankly, I felt like they were running like four different plays and that was it. And we just couldn't stop them. Yeah. The playbook was not expansive. The Kentucky playbook, this game was not expansive by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, It was, yeah, I think before to like six plays and, if you know going in you have a quarterback that's not adept to throwing, then you he's know a, he's not going to throw. You know he's not going to throw. If you and I don't understand how you can't like if you and I who are I last played football in 2007, 2008, if if you and I cat, you know, you know, more invested than maybe a, a normal college fan but like a fan nonetheless can identify that. How do you as a coaching staff who are getting paid to do this not plan and evaluate as such? Like it blows, that blows my mind because that shouldn't be hard to figure out. He almost 200 yards on the ground for Lynn Bowden, 196 yards, essentially 200 yards on the ground. He ran all over us and we had no answer for him. And we had a week of knowing that this guy was going to be the quarterback and what his strengths are. For you to come out of a bye week and this be the game plan is really, really bad. Like, really bad. bad. Because that's saying we have a week knowing that we're probably going to get this wide receiver guy at quarterback, which Morris said in his press conference after the fact was that they knew he was going to end up being the quarterback. You don't have a scheme for that? I mean, I understand, and again, we've said, Lynn Bowden played an amazing game and is an incredible Great athlete. athlete. But that's the SEC. Like You're going to face incredible you're gonna, athletes every week. You, you think Tua's not going to be able to run? Hell, Bo Nix, a freshman in Auburn, can run like that if he needs to. He's fast and athletic. And they are quarterbacks. They're people that have trained to play the quarterback position. Trade. That is their trade. And we, you got a guy at wide receiver that you know is a good athlete and Noah's speedy and maybe can't throw the ball, but your game plan is treat him like a normal quarterback or don't put any pressure on him, just let him kind of run wherever he chooses to run to the tune of 200 yards? Embarrassing. It's embarrassing that you can't do better than that. And quite frankly, I think, you know, there's an indictment with the numbers. We said that we had 300 yards of offense. It's kind of misleading because we had 178 of those in the first quarter 74 of which were off of Rakeem Boyd's run. So outstanding play by an individual player. And you've got two-thirds of your yards in the first quarter. So that means for the rest of the game, they couldn't muster anything else. It just... 
it's not acceptable. And we've talked about this several times over. I hate that we have to keep talking about it, but I am not confident in this staff's ability going forward. And I would love to be proven wrong, but they have not shown me anything yet that makes me think that this will be turned around. They haven't given any Arkansas fan any reason to be confident in them. I mean, I don't like. I usually try to be. I'm usually try to be up, you know, a positive or benefit of the doubt guy on the sure. podcast. But at, at this juncture, I have seen no reason to be like, you know what, we we're 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 moving in the right direction. We're we're doing this and this to show improvements to show that we know what we're doing, and I don't feel that way at all there isn't even a moral victory to take away no you know the quality the quality loss to a&m uh you know when we had a a kind of a spike (laughs) i also noticed uh at the fan pulse i was looking uh we spiked after the texas a&m loss and also people were very confident in the team during the bye week uh thank you for voting uh for that bye week vote of confidence we looked great during the bye week uh came out of that without a loss so Pretty good stuff, so really appreciate you guys keeping track and voting throughout the bye week. But I think now the confidence of the program is at roughly 23 24%. Um, and that feels high. feels high that a quarter of the fans have any sort of confidence in what's left of this season for the team. Especially considering that we did bottom out. <laughs> yeah, we had a zero. We had a 0% confidence rating at one point during this season. Um, and I think just kind of, it sucks, but I, th- I don't think that that's a bad kind of baseline of no. where people are at with this team. And, you know, like you said, it's embarrassing to say consistent on Twitter, but people are on Twitter that watch the hogs and I, you know, sometimes people on Twitter are a vocal minority, but I think the representation on Twitter is a fair representation of hog fans of just, we're getting a little fed up with the lip service that is kind of seemingly played or paid to us by this staff about we're going to get this team ready to win it's it's on us as coaches well if it's on you as coaches fix it do something do something because that's what it is it feels like lip service in the sense that we how many times have we heard platitudes uh, we weren't able to put them in a position we're going to be able to go back and this week we're going to get better and we're going to improve i mean it's all coach speak and at, at after one bad loss I can take that. After four this year and ten last year, those start to be empty. Those words start to ring empty. And they ring very hollow. There is just, I mean, there are so many different ways that you can arrange the words, we're going to go out and prepare and get better. It, we're running out of ways to say that. Yeah, it's what the it's the same word salad with a different like dressing maybe like it all tastes the same, Chad, and it all tastes bad. I don't I don't need to hear about your guys' shortcomings anymore. I need you to just fix them. And I don't know, you know, the I don't necessarily want anybody to come out into a press conference and start blaming people either. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're getting paid what 3.5 million dollars a year to get that right yeah it's tough it is real tough to end on less of a downer note i would like to resubmit my chicken rankings a source close to me has confided in me that slims has changed their box style okay and folks that back in are you back in i am back in on slims let's go for me so i gotta go popeyes slims zaxby's canes you know what welcome back welcome back to not only being correct but being my friend, because we were on the outs there. We were, listeners. It, you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. A lot of behind-the-scenes drama. We pull it together for a show because we're professionals. But as soon as these mics cut off, 
bad stuff. It's bad stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast with us. Thank you so much for processing this uh, nightmare. I'll say yeah, a nightmare uh, of a season. We promise this is not this is not going to be just a hogs therapy session every episode. There are good things uh, going on at Arkansas, and we will continue to highlight them and find them and bring them to you. But as we all know, uh, it, it is the fate of the Hog fan to suffer at the hands of the football team. And we thank you for coming alongside us in that. Please be sure to subscribe to us. So you get notifications whenever we put out a new podcast that will happen on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts. Obviously you're listening on one of those, but you can listen on any of those other ones too. We want this to be a podcast that is by fans for fans, and we want to hear your feedback. So please talk to us on Twitter at Arkansas Fight. Comment on our articles. Send us letters or something. There are many ways to communicate with us. Uh, other than that, we'll s- yeah. Also, we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, we've kind of seen an uptick in listenership on this podcast. Uh, so. Thank you if you're listening. Please tell your friends if you like the show. Uh, if you don't like the show, let us know what you don't like about it, and we will do our best to fix it. Uh, we want to make this podcast for you, like we said earlier. But thank you to those of you that are listening, and uh, we always appreciate new listeners. So if you're new, welcome. With that, this has been Woopod Sui. Woopod. Five. You better look at him a little closer. He's a football player. It's Arkansas, baby.